Romans 1, picking up around verse 5 and 6 tonight. And we'll get into it in just a minute. You go ahead and get settled in and comfortable, and I'll be right back. I want to pick up with verse 5 of Romans chapter 1, but I need to read from verse 1 to get the momentum needed to get into the theology there. We've got some great stuff to think about. So I'll start at verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And now we're at verse 5. Uh, if you're like me, you probably could barely follow all that. Romans is so uh, dense with theological truth, and one verse can have like eight theological concepts all woven together. And so don't feel bad if you didn't really follow that. Uh, but we just needed to get the get the flow of thought heading into verse 5. It's talking about Jesus Christ. Paul sees himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. He's just a another sinful person that God chose to bring his message to other sinful people. And the message is all about Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're going to hear about Jesus every episode. That's As we study Scripture, it all points to Him. And if you don't know Him, He is the missing ingredient that is making your life taste so bad uh, that you don't have Him in there. Uh, he is the key that unlocks what your life is meant to be and what your design is meant to accomplish. So it's good that God brought you to this situation with these earbuds in your ears or however you're listening to this. Uh, all that to say, Romans 1, verse 5, talking about Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name, among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Okay, all, believe it or not, all this is just Paul's introduction, uh, the way we might say, hi, how are you doing, in a, an email. That's, this is all Paul introducing this letter. So lots to think about. So Jesus Christ our Lord Paul recognizes that it is through him, through Jesus, that Paul and his associates and the Christians in Rome had received grace. Now, remember, grace is blessing that we do not deserve. I know I say this all the time. If you are part of my church family, I know you're sick of it, but it just helps me to make sense of grace, to think about it in contrast to mercy. They're um, related ideas, but they're not synonyms. Mercy is not receiving the punishment that you deserve. So that is if your child um, slams the door in anger, something you've told them not to do, and they did it again, mercy would be saying, listen, son, 
that was wrong and you know it was wrong and I know it was wrong and we both know you deserve to be grounded. You deserve to not have the Xbox for the rest of the day or whatever it might be, but I'm going to have mercy on you and I'm not going to issue that punishment. Grace, instead of, so mercy is not receiving the punishment you do deserve. Grace is receiving blessing that you don't deserve, that you didn't earn. So in that scenario, grace would be, son, you slammed the door. We both know it was wrong. I've already told you I'm going to be merciful. I'm not going to punish you. But I'm also, just because I love you so much, and it's just the kind of parent I am, I'm actually going to bless you with something that you don't deserve. Uh, Let's go out and get a cheap ice cream hot fudge sundae from McDonald's just as a treat. Uh, If I have ever done that, I'm not sure that I ever have. It was probably ulterior motives because I wanted an excuse to get ice cream. But that gives you a little idea of what he means by grace. So Paul, he's a Christian. Now He used to persecute Christians, and he is fully aware, every word he writes of Scripture, he is fully aware that he did not earn the blessing of being able to be an apostle. So he says it's through Jesus Christ our Lord that we have received grace. Me and you, fellow Christians, we have received grace. Now, let's pause there. Every word is just so rich and worth meditating on. Let's pause on grace. And I want to give you 30 seconds to think. This is what meditating on Scripture is all about. Just turning this idea of grace around in your mind. So just catalog mentally the blessings God has given you through Jesus Christ that you do not deserve. And that can run the full range of the theological stuff of salvation and sanctification and justification. If you have uh, been taught enough to know some of these terms, you've been made innocent before God. Uh, You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've been reconciled to God where you otherwise would have been estranged. You've been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. Uh, you, If you are a Christian and, and have grown up in church or have been in church long or have been discipled, you have a rich bank of examples of God's grace toward you. And I think it's just helpful to pull that up on the screen in our mind and remember it. But it could also include the more mundane things, just the breath in our lungs, the comfortable bed under our back, the safe roof over our heads, family, Uh, He gave bread to eat today. Just think for a little bit about these examples of God's grace and just thank Him. Just remember these blessings and thank God, and I'll give you about 30 seconds to do that. So through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we have received grace and apostleship, he says. So here Paul clearly has in mind his own ministry as he's introducing this letter and kind of introducing himself in the greeting here. And he's just acknowledging before everybody that it's through God's grace that he gets to be an apostle, which basically means a messenger. 
Paul didn't have great wisdom in of himself. He was not a brilliant thinker. He was not the brightest mind of his day, best-selling author, megachurch pastor, any of those things. He was just a messenger sent by Jesus. He says here, to bring about the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. Now, there is another phrase worth pausing on. I am a pastor. I've been a pastor for a little over a decade now. And I preach and teach and counsel a lot about God's grace and the fact that because of Jesus, we get to be saved from our sins. But uh, in the last couple of years, I've had to correct a little bit of an imbalance there. And remember, too, that obedience is a part of this equation. Now, you cannot obey your way in to God's good graces. Uh, good graces probably isn't the right phrase to use. That's probably confusing because we're talking about grace. You can't obey your way out of your sin problem and into salvation. You can't obey your way into the perfection needed to be acceptable before a perfectly holy God. That's the whole point of Jesus. That's why he didn't come to teach us how to be holier. He came to make us holy by giving us his holiness on the cross. But obedience is a really important part of the Christian life because Jesus isn't only our Savior. He's also our Lord. And Lord, by the very definition of the word, entails obedience. A, a Lord does not suggest things to his followers. A Lord commands. And as you read through the New Testament, you will see that the apostles understood this. They were obeying the Lord Jesus's commands. And so I reference my ministry as a pastor because where I am located, I'm in North Carolina. One of the most common uh, spiritual viruses I see sort of rampant in churchy folks in our area. And I say churchy folks because I would say Christians, but not all churchy folks are Christians. Not all churchy folks have been dramatically saved and rescued by Jesus Christ and transformed. But what I see often is people love the idea of Jesus as their Savior, but they don't love the idea of Jesus as their Lord. And he is both, or he is nothing. There is no such thing as having Jesus as your Savior, but not your Lord. And so perhaps you are infected with this spiritual virus. It's a false teaching, really a false belief. Perhaps you are one of these people who was baptized at some point and who genuinely did recognize your sin and your need for a Savior. But you never got that second piece of the puzzle. You never recognized Jesus as your Lord. And so you were baptized, and that's all well and good, and you like the idea of Jesus. You, you're pro-Jesus. You think that he is generally good, and you're glad that you're not going to go to hell. But in the meantime, you're basically going to live your life the way you want to, completely ignoring the pages and pages of commands that the Lord Jesus has clearly issued in the pages of Scripture. I mean, a lot of people who have zero involvement in church. Now, in order to have zero involvement in church, you have to be ignoring, either ignorant of 
or in rebellion against tons and tons of Jesus's clear instructions and commands in scripture to love one another as Christians. And the reason I say that, and I know that you can obey those commands in a casual way, but the reason I say that is some of those commands are really rigorous. Uh, that have to do with forgiving people who genuinely have wronged you and bearing with people who are way different from you in every other way apart from your shared salvation. Uh, commands that can really only be fully obeyed in a relationship of clear commitment with the body of fellow Christians. So I just use that as one example, but there's many ways that people who call themselves Christians are not obeying the Lord Jesus. And so what Paul is after here is he wants to bring about not just faith, but the obedience of faith. And we'll see as we get deeper into Romans, there's some real obedience required. And so this is definitely a place where we want to pause and think for a minute. And so I'll just ask you to meditate on this question. Are you following Jesus as your Lord? And the only way to honestly answer yes to that is if you are actively applying yourself to grow in obedience to his commands, the obedience of faith. So I'll give you 30 seconds to think on that. Are you following Jesus as your Lord? Now, the good news is that the grace of Jesus really is amazing and unfathomable. And so if you are realizing as you hear this scripture, oh my goodness, that's a huge blind spot in my life. I'm not obeying Jesus at all. I have had Jesus in my back pocket like a Monopoly get out of jail free card, planning to pull it out when I die so I don't go to hell. But I'm living my life for myself. I've been ignoring his commands. I haven't been listening to his word preached and responding in obedience. I haven't been studying the scripture myself so that I understand what he is asking of me. I've just been drifting along like my non-Christian neighbors and coworkers. The good news is you go to Jesus right now in humble, honest repentance and ask him for, for his forgiveness based on Jesus and for the spiritual power to turn from living your own way and to live in obedience to Jesus, he will answer that prayer for sure. That's why Jesus promised that he would give us the Holy Spirit. That's God's spirit that lives within Christians to empower this obedient life, the obedience of faith under the Lord Jesus. And so we'll pause again, this time for maybe about 20 seconds, for you to pray and ask for God to help you if that is your situation, or if not, Talk to God about your obedience and ask him to help you continue to deepen and grow in the obedience of faith.
Now, there's two more things I want to meditate on in this verse. I can't believe we're only going to make it through verse five. Romans is like a rich peak of peak, a rich piece of chocolate mousse. I don't know if you, I love really rich chocolate and I can just eat it all day long. Most people, they take one bite and it just grosses them out because it's too intense. Romans is intense. You can't eat a ton of it and digest it. it you got to take it slow. But he says he is out to bring about the obedience of faith. And why? For the sake of Jesus's name among all the nations. So Paul isn't out to make a name for himself. And he's not out to make sure the Roman church makes a name for itself. He is out for the glory and fame of the name of Jesus Christ, period. And he's wanting that name to be spread among all the nations. So there's two pieces of that. First, for the sake of his name. Whenever you see that name language in Scripture, it has to do with glory and renown and fame. And you know, as human beings, we are really not designed to be famous. We are designed to revel in the fame of Jesus Christ. We are designed to worship, not be worshipped. And I don't have any specific thing to point to here. I just think in general, we probably all can agree that people who are really famous tend to become a little bit disfigured by it. They tend to become a little deformed by it because no human being is really meant to bear up under all that. I especially think within the, the Christian church that none of us, none, we are not meant to be famous people. I, I certainly don't do this, this podcast in hopes to become famous. I've actually kind of wished that I never attached my name to it. Uh, not that, I mean, I have like eight listeners, so I don't think I'm in a lot of danger of getting famous from it, but we're meant to minister locally or minister in such a way that Jesus's name is made great and that that spreads. Uh, it is totally fine if you are not well-known. You can be a very faithful Christian and not be well-known. Your church can be very faithful and not be well-known. I am concerned for Christians who are part of big mega churches that are led by celebrity pastors. Now, that's not always a negative thing. I have learned a lot from the books written and the sermons preached by a lot of very well-known pastoral names. So I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad or evil thing. What you want to watch for is if a minister starts pointing to himself a lot and promoting himself. If the book comes out and on the front cover is a giant picture of the minister, that might be a bit of a red flag. We are just meant to point to Jesus. And whenever we start pointing to ourselves, it becomes really problematic. Paul was not pointing to himself other than as uh, insofar as he was an apostle and an example of obedience to Jesus. So we want Jesus's name to be known and glorified and made great among all the nations. And so what I would leave you with to think about after I pray for you is how can you do your part? for the name of Jesus among the nations, of the people groups. 
we all have some part to play in that if we are Christians. It might be a support role. It might be a financial contribution sort of role, a prayer role. Probably all of us have a prayer role. Uh, it might be going. It might be uh, prayerfully trying to intentionally share the gospel in conversation with people that you know at work. It might be just using your spiritual gift as part of your church family because God is going to use your church to make the name of Jesus great. But think about that. I'm going to pray for you and then leave you with that thought. What can I do to glorify the name of Jesus Christ? Father, I pray that you would make crystal clear to the one listening to this scripture tonight, what part do you have for them to play in spreading the fame of Jesus and the glory of Jesus's name? Would you just make that clear to them and and fill them with a sense of zeal for the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.